It's time for the very first counterclockwise podcast from the Incomparable Game Show, recorded Monday, February 16, 2015. Counterclockwise, four people, four nerdy topics, 42 minutes. Welcome to Counterclockwise, where parsecs are a measure of time and not distance. I am your co-host, Jason Snell, and across the country from me, my fellow co-host, Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. Are we about to make the Kessel Run? We we may, but when we make the Kessel Run, uh, somebody will be there to try and catch it. Oh, good. That's... (laughs) Totally useless to me. I can't do anything with that. For those of you who've never heard this show before, that's good because we've never done it before. You are in good company. This is counterclockwise. It's very similar to our podcast that we do on Relay FM called Clockwise, Dan, except it runs backward. If you listen to both of them at the same time, they cancel each other out. They do. This or is not th- true. Or explode in pure energy. Well, we have two guests, as always, on this first episode of this show. <laughs> to my right is you know him you love him you can't live without him he is one of the hosts of the accidental tech podcast and a regular incomparable panelist it's john syracuse hi john let's speed this up jason we're on a schedule here (laughs) maybe maybe not maybe maybe not we don't know uh and to my right is another frequent incomparable panelist and a member of our total party kill parties both as a dm and as a player my very good friend tony sindler hi tony hello nerds All right, Dan. Uh, Here's the way we've tried to vary this. Uh, Clockwise (laughs) is a podcast about technology in which four people talk about four tech topics. Uh, Counterclockwise is a podcast about nerdy things in which four people talk about four nerdy topics with an overarching theme. And the overarching theme of this episode of Counterclockwise is Star Wars. Since I introduced the episode... I go first, right? (laughs) That's a great idea. Since I introduced the episode, Dan will go first. Dan, what's your topic? This is amazing. I'm really excited. So, (laughs) Or or wait, 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 wait. Should we answer your topic and then you give us the question? See if you can guess what I'm going to suggest. (laughs) Uh, So, one of my favorite things about Star Wars is the many vehicles and ships that populate it. I'm curious to know what is, if you could choose to, let's say, drive slash pilot any vehicle or ship from the Star Wars universe... What would you pick? And I'm disallowing the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> it's only right. I, I feel like it's only fair. If you really got nothing else, you can go with it. But I, I would I would challenge you to come up with something else. Tony. What about the Millennium Falcon knockoffs? Is oh, that... yeah. Well, you, well, you want to go like with a, like no, an outrider that's... or something? <laughs> well, I, I love how because like the Millennium Falcon is the iconic thing. In all of the role playing games and in some of the video games, there's like there's another YT and then maybe slightly different serial number to be like distinct, which is totally kind of undermines like the Falcon is like you know we don't see another you know ship of the same class in all of Star Wars, but in every game they're like we'll give you this very similar ship because we know that's what you want brand name but recognition. Since Dan has taken that away, I will go with um, Slave One, uh, oh, which nice. is Boba Fett's ship, uh, as probably the. I think the most interesting ship in Star Wars to me, uh, aside from the Millennium Falcon, uh, it's not a ship we see a lot of. It's not on screen much, uh, but it's this kind of weird. Um, I also think of it as kind of this mid-range ship. I don't know if we're getting into car terms here because there's kind of you've got your fighters and you've got <laughs> it's very like, gas freight 
and you've got capital ships, and it's kind of in between, right? It's bigger than a fighter, uh, and but not as big as like a whole freighter ship. Kind of like got a that space weird... minivan. Yeah, yeah, it's like a space minivan. <laughs> you know, it's got room. It's got cargo containments for it's got probably cup holders for, for you know. It's got cup holders, bounty holders. Uh, I assume it's heavily trapped because it you know owned and maintained by Boba Fett. The place for your son to sit, right? Yeah, probably not insured. <laughs> um, it. <laughs> It does that funky thing where it takes off in one direction and flies in the other direction, which um, I have multiple Lego versions of Slave 1, which have a rotating cockpit thing, which is kind of cool. So, yeah, Slave 1. I think that's an excellent choice. I like to think about Slave 1 and the fact that we we determined in an incomparable episode a while ago uh, that uh, Luke – sorry, not Luke. That's Splinter of the Mind's Eye. That's totally different. Han and Leia – consummate their relationship on the long non-hyperspace trip from the asteroid field to Cloud City, right? I cannot, every every time I I watch that movie now, I cannot help but think that, meanwhile, while that's all going on and the Falcon is rocking, so don't come (laughs) a-knocking, Boba Fett is just puttering along behind him in Slave One, like with the autopilot on watching Netflix. He's listening to sports on his space radio. He's alone. uh, Always alone. I feel feel like probably he listened a lot of like like books on tape, like motivational stuff. I feel like being a bounty hunter <laughs> be is probably like... the best bounty hunter you can be. Well, it's, it's lonely work, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I feel like probably a lot of sales talk type stuff, right? You know? <laughs> it's like talk radio shows where other bounty hunters call in with their problems. I don't know. Maybe he... <laughs> Four Laman Zuckus have like a talk show. <laughs> they have, they, they do know? a podcast. Yeah. I'm picturing Boba Fett there eating like a bowl of cereal. Yeah. You know, just like sort of hanging it's out. It's really hard to eat any cereal with the helmet. That helmet? Think, Tell I, me about yeah. it. Yeah. That was a good choice, Jason. Uh, so many things to choose from. I thought about the the uh, land speeder. I think that's a great one. Um, I thought about Darth Vader's Tie Fighter with the little curvy edges, which because I always thought that was kind of awesome. Uh, but I, I gotta go. I gotta go with the the uh, Empire's own uh, galactic uh, destroyer. <laughs> I just if I could have one ship, I would take the the giant one. Um, but I love those ships with the, they're all pointy. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, there's the visual look of them is so fantastic. They look menacing when we first see them. They are terrifying with their size, but also that shape. When I was a kid, I would uh, that was the Star Wars um, ship that I would try to draw. And I was not mm-hmm. much of an, a, a drawing kid. Um, my my spaceship designs were rudimentary at best, although they were all spaceship designs. But it was all wedge shaped galactic destroyer kind of spaceships that was that was always what i what i liked so So you're you're a capital ship guy i uh, you know in this case i think i have to i have to go that route although i was really like i said really tempted to go since you said vehicles go with the uh the classic land speeder but Mm. i don't know you get the option of picking a a, a destroyer how can nobody wants you know jason nobody wants those land speeders since the new xp38s came along Mm, that's true Good point. You make a strong argument. But so anyway, you're picking the Superstar Destroyer or the regular one? I'm going to pick the regular one. I think the Super One is maybe a little <laughs> outsized. That's a little unmanageable. Think about yeah. like just the crew that you have to keep on hand for a Superstar Destroyer. That seems it's like know. when they said that when the when the uh, iPad came out and they said it's really just a big iPhone. The, the Superstar Destroyer is really just a Star Destroyer, except much larger. I think unwieldy, and it's like a luxury car. It gets it's yeah, not, it gets really bad mileage. It's so, well, I mean, there's just there's the upfront cost, and then there's yeah. what you're going to pay for for repairs and maintenance. It does have the that. nice leather interior. Yeah, and it, and it depreciates like by half when you pull off the lot. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm not going to go with the super. I, mean, I think the super it's it's 19 kilometers long, man. You don't need that. No, no, they try to upsell you into it, right? But I, have I, you I tried to par- have you tried to park 
a superstar destroyer. Well, just forget it. Yeah, there was that one time it didn't go well. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't pull head in in the spaces. That's the key thing you remember. Yeah. No. No classic original base base model star destroyer. That's that's me. Excellent choice, John. You're going to notice this pattern, the way I answer all these questions. Do you have, I'm sorry, so, do you have an, open, so, you have an opening so you can, statement? No, so you can preemptively <laughs> complain about this pattern now and get it out of your system uh, after I answer. <laughs> so um, combative. Yeah. <laughs> and my pattern is to tell you the things I didn't pick first as a way of having more than one pick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, no, that's, oh. that's, that's is game Is that a time-honored tradition? This is te- this Tech Pundit Showdown. That's Pundit Showdown 101. Yeah. Let's talk about interdictors, John. John, you notice I mentioned two vehicles before I made my pick, so I'm right there with you. All right, all right. No, if, as long as it's, <laughs> as long as it's, it's in the grand tradition, I, yes. I, I'm just going to do one. I'm going to say that the X-Wing is the obvious choice that, like, I'm surprised yeah. no one else has already picked it, but this is not a draft, so it doesn't even matter anyway. It's, you know, the hero ship of New Hope, and uh, other than the Falcon, which we're all forbidden from picking, it's the one that we would all pick. But of course, I'm not uh, going I'm to into pick the Z95 Headhunter, which I feel <laughs> came before. Yes, yes. Vintage, man. So, vintage. Yeah, vintage. So, what I'm going to pick is the Incom T47 Airspeeder converted for cold weather use, also known as the Snow the Snow Speeder. Oh, that is better than the Land Speeder, man. <laughs> That's pretty great. And the reason I'm going to pick it is because. It, with most of these ships in any kind of sci-fi movie, it's hard to generate excitement when you have models moving against a star field. And you mm-hmm. kind of get around that in A New Hope as they take the ships and they put them in the trench. And then all of a sudden you're close to a surface and it's exciting. Uh, Empire, they, they take it a step further by you know having basically spaceships but on a planet. Like is a snow speeder a spaceship or is it an evolution of Luke's land speeder? It's, it's, it's kind of both. You know, they have their cake and eat it too. And they and you know they don't just fly over the ground; they like hug the surface of the ground, right? And they get a whole new set of sounds, and they get new animations with the crazy flaps that come up and everything. They fly very differently from X wings; they look different than X wings. The tow cables come out of them, which is just crazy. Mm. Uh, and I do have to admit that this pick is heavily influenced by the first scene that we see the snow speeders actually flying. The combination mm-hmm. of that, like mm-hmm. whatever it was, helicopter or plane footage flying over real mountains with the with the cockpits in front of them and then the musical score and the animation and everything uh, that's a great intro to a great ship as a, that's a great ship I, I used to have a i think i still have the toy version of that somewhere i've got at least one lego version of it i always kind of wondered though about the practicality of it because i mean it's not a spaceship it can't go into space it's more like a and plane, they only though. well yeah but they only have one base on hoth so like where are they going? Yeah, with that's it? why they were. That's why they were converting the airspeeders for Cobra. It's like it's not. It, it's kind of like the Millennium Falcon in that it's not made for this purpose. But where are you going on Hoth? There's not another place to go. There's nowhere on well, Hoth they, to go. There's they, not a Starbucks. Patrols. Yeah. Like, Just why do patrols. they have tow cables on them? Like, it's all very that, confusing. Yeah, they for dragging, <laughs> well, dragging tauntauns towing around. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and they. But they also leave them there though too. Yeah, I just I felt like that was kind of sad for the pilots. It's kind of a one way ticket. It's like, yeah, here, take this snow speeder. We'll be on this freighter that goes into space. See you later. <laughs> I feel like I could take on the old empire myself. You know, yeah, yeah. You're gonna go in a snow speeder. So, so my close second pick that I also didn't pick was the ship that maybe Dan will pick, and I'll snag his pick, and you can cut this out. But my second place that I almost picked above this was the B wing, mostly just because it's like the Lockheed P thirty eight Lightning of the Star Wars universe. Uh, and if you know what a P thirty eight is, that makes sense. And if you don't, it doesn't. So anyway. I'm done. Wow, way to bring the real esoteric mm. knowledge to the nerd podcast. Yeah. <laughs> World War II, so esoteric. You're right. <laughs> um, I was not, in fact, going to pick the B-Wing. I was going to pick one of the other Rebel Starfighters, the A-Wing. Wow. Uh, I really like the A-Wing. I think it's uh, it's sleek. It doesn't bother with those like flaps that open and close like on the X-Wing or the or the B-Wing, the, you know, the, the extra uh, S-foils. Like, come on, you don't need that. That's just moving parts. Those are just going to break. The A-Wing is fast. 
it's maneuverable, and if you target one just right, you can take out an entire superstar destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that is definitely my favorite, and I think I, I grew to love those, especially when I played the uh, the X Wing computer games later. I always really enjoyed how fast those things were because you crank those suckers up and you really go. It was fun, and some of that was the mechanic of the game, but how different they made the different ships feel, right? Absolutely, yeah. There there there's an entirely different art to part of piloting that than there's to say a Y wing, which is super slow, but it's like really armored. Now, but the same one really wanted. The Y-Wings always seemed like the old and busted ones. Like, oh, yeah, I want an X-Wing, not a Y-Wing. I think uh, you had to bring them on some missions because they had the ion cannon. But, like, that was the only reason, right? It was like, I don't want to be stuck stuck flying the Y-Wing. Get somebody else to do it. Yeah, like equal opportunity for Y-Wings or something like that. You got to bring a couple Y-Wings. The Rebels, they got to use the equipment they got, right? Yeah, exactly. They true, got all these old Y-Wings stuff. around. Yeah, so I, I like that. Uh, I think um, in addition to that, I will say I'll pick a, a one-off thing uh, as my backup that I think is just a cool, if entirely impractical one, which are the cloud cars from Bespin. <laughs> I have like two little piloting yeah. places. Yeah, Make no was, sense. Like, Why do you need a second guy? Fights. Well, I want to turn right. I want to turn left. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, we're, like when you're a kid, though, or like something like that, I feel like you always want something where it's like, I would have my own little car. And maybe you feel like maybe you could detach at some point. I'm just going to go over here. <laughs> so I feel like it solves a lot of problems potentially but thank you all for answering that question i am really gratified to know your answers tony what's your topic uh i was going to ask about people's favorite star wars books but i was informed that some people haven't read enough star wars Mm. books so how about your favorite star wars book or video game yes i've only read two star wars novels so it would be difficult to pick uh, heir to the empire or uh, splinter of the mind's eye well, no, it is. there's a it's right answer there between those yeah. two yeah. <laughs> yeah it's clearly splinter of the mind's uh, eye i've read that like nope. five times nope <laughs> <laughs> i remember reading splinter of the mind's eye in junior high and being aware how bad it was and i feel like i was not a very sophisticated consumer of media at that time not so. even alan dean foster has read splinter of the mind's eye five times yeah so i uh i, I gotta say x-wing versus tie fighter which I played. I had the. Um, I had. I think it was a, a, a car racing. Well, maybe it was a flight sim joystick uh, thing with a with a. Uh, I, I, it had a control stick on one side and it had like a throttle on the other. It was the weirdest input device I ever had for my Mac. And but God, I played that game endlessly and was terrible at it. And yet I was obsessed with it. And I I, I was not a very good X wing pilot. But boy, I really loved playing it. And they the music in in uh, that that was like John Williams music, but it was looped, mm-hmm. very short loops. Like every mission that I would go on would last ten minutes uh, or fifteen minutes. But the music loop was like there's only so much action music. Two minutes Wars. long, and so you just that music is burned. I hear it now, and I'm like ah x-wing pilot music because there was just that little bit but i i I love i love uh 3d um space flight sim as an idea where there's no gravity and and the physics are 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 really weird uh i think that i think that was really cool and i was just that was i was obsessed with that for a uh, long period of time in the mid to late 90s and a, a timely pick, since I think that just got re-released. Just got re-released, so could, yeah. I'm probably going to buy it, and yet I'm terrified that it's going to be another bottomless pit if I do. Also, I'm not <laughs> sure what input device I would use with it, because I feel That's like... That's a tricky thing. Yeah, that, that, that stick was really the perfect use for, for that game. I have read zero Star Wars books, and I recommend that to everybody. <laughs> How can you recommend it if you've never read any of them? It never mm-hmm. even occurred, because mm-hmm. it's great. Not reading any Star Wars books is great. Just watch the movies, they're great. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, my pick is obviously for video game, uh, and it was tough to pick because there have been a lot of Star Wars yeah. video games. Some of them very good, 
But in the end, I think I had to go with Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2 Rogue Leader for the Nintendo Mm. GameCube. Because this is the first game for me that really felt like being in a space battle in one of the movies. There have been tons of games that put you, like Jason just mentioned one, that put you in a ship. Uh, But this is the first game that where the graphics, the animation, the sound effects, and the music finally passed that threshold from, you know, a crude approximation that you can sort of augment with your imagination. They cross from that over into, you are in the movie. This is it. You have been recruited by the Star League to f- defend the frontier against Zer and the Kodana. No, sorry, wrong movie. Anyway, it really felt like you were in the movie. It's kind of like the, the, the iPhone of Star Wars games, where there was touchscreen devices before that, but they were all like, they didn't quite cross over into, oh yeah, now I get it. This just felt 100% real. And if I go back and look at it now, it you know it doesn't quite look as good as my memory of it. But it you know as I played all the X-Wing and, and TIE Fighter and all those games, they just didn't didn't go all the way over. And this one, I guess it was because it was more arcadey or whatever. And I, I say this despite the fact that the final level of this game was just brutal. And I remember trying to go through the Death Star 2, that tunnel and the Return of the Jedi level, so many times it was so difficult. Uh, and my memory of the frustration of that level is almost as strong as my good memories of finally getting to actually play the movie that I always wanted to play. A good choice. I'm going to, uh, my favorite, which is also close to Jason's, is the TIE Fighter, um, the the sort of precursor to X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. And I liked it because it had an interesting sort of storyline there's like secret society within the empire and as you get better and better there's like a tattoo that you get on your little like animated wrist that shows up and it it also just was fascinating to play in a game where you as the protagonist are playing the part of the empire which seems counterintuitive like that shouldn't be interesting or like you should be a bad guy or whatever but there is like kind of like the rank and file there right and and in in such a way you're kind of cast in some ways as the good guys so it was a fascinating sort of narrative conceit to be able to play a star wars game as the empire and actually think wow this is this is actually really you're trying to say you were just following orders then i i never i never hurt anybody is all i'm saying it was always interesting to me because it was it came out after the x-wing games and it was so much more polished and and better put together just in part just because of technology but it was was kind of sad that the like the game about being the bad guy was so much technically better than (laughs) the game about being the good guy should have won yeah, the, yeah exactly their, their well, tech is much better i almost picked rebel assault but nobody picks rebel assault because the game no, is terrible no, no. That, that's an example i played a of lot game. of rebel assault it was trying to get you to feel like you were in the movie but you yeah. were like that's it's so diff- so many games how many games have tried to do space battles and hoth in particular it's just so hard it would just i have like, fought I'm, the battle I'm of hoth a bad so many game. times in so many ways so i was gonna say my nostalgia pick is the old arcade star wars game the like wireframe <laughs> uh, yeah, x-wing the one graphics, the trench yeah. run Mm-hmm. I just I remember the amusement park I was used to go to during the summer with my cousins had an arcade and they had like the sit down version of that so you would like get in and sit down and had a little like flying yoke and as a you know eight year old or something that was the most incredible thing ever um, so yeah, there have unfortunately been a lot of really bad Star Wars mm-hmm. games uh, especially in recent years I think I think the one saving grace in recent years would probably be the Lego Star Wars games but a lot of the other stuff has kind of suck i would also mention depending on how far back you want to count as recent uh knights of the old republic is a classic mm-hmm. um yeah. i would pick for mine uh dark forces 2 or dark star nice. wars jedi knight dark forces 2 which is confusing uh. because then the sequel to it is jedi knight jedi. 2 instead yeah. of dark forces 3 <laughs> uh but dark forces 2 uh, is a great game from the late 90s uh dark forces was kind of this they call it uh doom on the death star and yeah. it's a star wars first person shooter I played that but dark one. forces yep. 2 was a lot more exciting uh because in dark forces 
the original Dark Forces, you run around and shoot people. Dark Forces 2, you actually get to be a Jedi. And you get a lightsaber, uh, and you get force powers. And it had this kind of uh, very early... Uh, uh, action first-person shooter RPG elements where as you progress through the game you would choose different force powers that you could unlock and there was even a, a mechanic where you could choose uh, the light and dark side force powers uh, and you get advantages if you committed all the way to one side or the other but you could also mix and match which could be might have tactical advantages there uh, and that was just a really great for me Star Wars game in the late 90s where you, you run around all these cool environments the story was kind of ridiculous it suffers from something that like all of the expanded universe Star Wars uh, material suffers from where it's like there's another really powerful dark Jedi that we've never mentioned and he's got mm-hmm. a couple Star Destroyers and he's going to do something and you have to deal with it even though like how come he's not mentioned anytime in the movie? <laughs> like, you know, like where is he? He's just off camera. Um, and in fact, that, that was a game in the late 90s where it had the weird thing where they actually had um, full like acted out actors on a on a blue screen cutscene uh oh, and then yeah. cut back and and that was i mean i think we only experimented with that in video games for kind of a short window before realizing that like that that <laughs> like wasn't the working wing commander yeah, wing commander. yeah it was, was the, the wing commander it was a little bit more than that in that it was you know you had people in uh environments as opposed to just like guys in cockpits and stuff like that but uh but yeah wing commander also related to star wars because uh mark, mark hamill some hmm? some wing yeah. commander I want to, so, uh, it's on, for honorable mention, um, books, the, the Timothy Zahn trilogy, the Heir to the Empire original trilogy. Uh, I don't think that the, any of the Star Wars books past that point got any better than that. Although I will say I have a special spot for the Rogue Squadron books, which were stupid but fun uh, in that they dealt with, for the most part, characters who weren't Jedis and were just like the you know average pilots and stuff like yeah. that. So that was if really cool. If you were cool. going to read any Star Wars books, it would be the Zahn trilogy, also available in comic book form, but also mm. maybe don't read them because now they don't count, I, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> They're legends, Tony. Um, but yeah. I, I read those in junior high and it was really exciting because there was no Star Wars you know, for a long time. Yeah, no I've reread Wars. them a couple times. They're actually still pretty good. I mean, as far as Star Wars books go, I wouldn't go anywhere beyond that, but those are the ones maybe, to read if you're going to read any of them. Uh, what was the giant media tie-in they did in the late nineties? Shadows, Shadows of the Empire. Shadows of the Empire, where they that had a book, bad, a book, a soundtrack, and a video game. It was basically we were going to do all the movie tie-in stuff without not going through the trouble of making a movie and see if we can make a lot of money. And the answer was yes. So <laughs> action figures. It ha- I had I had Shadows yeah. of the Empire action figures Prince, for a movie that did not exist. <laughs> yeah. And they had, that was one of the notorious ones where they had a ship that is like, it's not technically the Millennium Falcon, but it's the Millennium Falcon. It's the, the Outrider, the YT 2400. Instead of by the Dash 30, Rendar. Yeah, the cockpit's Han a different. In, Han Solo's in Carbonite. We can't use him. It's the Century Eagle. That was its yeah. name. Century Eagle. Reference uh, acknowledged. Okay. Uh, my turn. So here's my question for you guys. Pretty simple. Pick one scene, your single favorite scene. In I, the way I phrase it is in the original trilogy. If your favorite scene in all of Star Wars comes from the prequels, <laughs> God help you. Over. You're off this show. But you could pick that if you really wanted to, and then we'll just point and laugh. I like that you cast this as a simple question. Yeah, 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 yeah. just pick it's one. It's pretty basic. You just pick a scene, and uh, you know you're you should be happy. John. Okay, so I had two runners up. For okay. This one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd like to pick the first scene because without that scene, all other scenes are not possible. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So the, the two runners up are quick. That they're they're the obvious picks to, to snake everything you guys might pick, but this is not a draft. Uh, the lightsaber battle at the end of Empire 
that's I mean that's a classic you know the forces with you young Skywalker but you're not a Jedi yet can't beat that great tension there and and you know him going across the catwalk and everything and the second one is predictably the lightsaber battle at the end of Jedi where Luke refuses to fight him and gets goaded into it and that operatic music plays uh and it's just great but uh, I'm not gonna pick those again because I think they're obvious um the one that I think is closest to my heart is in the Empire Strikes Back Luke's first encounter with Yoda we, you know, the, the two characters in the same scene, both having very different experiences of their first interaction. And of course, when you're watching it the first time someone sees it as a kid or whatever, you're seeing it from Luke's perspective. And of course, on subsequent viewings, you see it from Yoda's perspective. And on some days you see it from R2's perspective, depending on how you're feeling. Uh, I think this scene is a great snapshot of the raw material that Yoda has to work with here in, in Luke, this brash young kid who was like the golden boy in A New Hope. Uh, and now kind of as he's crash landed on the swamp planet with his ship uh, on a whim of a ghost vision that he saw when he was half dead in the snow, realizes that he may not be doing quite so well this time around. Uh, and the frustration with all his bad decisions uh, on Dagobah, like not just crashing the thing, but dealing with Yoda and everything, I think do more to humanize Luke than all of his stupid whining and a new hope. And, you know, his like, gee, golly, Willikers stuff. Uh, but this scene itself is great. It's incredibly snappy dialogue between a Muppet and a person. There's not a bad line in the thing. It's just great characterization. Just so many classics from this little interaction. And and comedy. Comedy in a Star Wars movie. Comedy that actually works, unlike Jar Jar. Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to pick some because I felt like so many of the scenes that seem iconic and that I love have no dialogue. So, you know, the binary sunset in A New Hope, which I think is one of the most beautiful scenes in the entire trilogy. And the my other favorite sort of action-y sequence is the asteroid field in Empire Strikes Back. Because just the, the model movement and the dog fighting and the Millennium Falcon invading the asteroids and dodging TIE fighters and, and all music. that stuff. Love the that music. music. It's fantastic. Yeah. And it's just it's a fantastic sequence that does not really exist. It's all special effects. Um, but if I had to pick one with, with sort of, I think, you know, to sort of counteract John's, uh, I think I would pick the Yoda's death scene in Return of the Jedi. Because, again, you know, is, is to the flip side of picking up great comedies, this is really great sort of pathos. Like, it's an actual, it's really sad. Like, again, great music from John Williams. You get Yoda looking old and infirm. You get the discussion between Yoda and Luke about, oh, you're not a Jedi. Then I am a Jedi. Oh, not yet. You still have to confront Darth Vader. Is he my father? Uh, and Yoda trying to lie about it. And, like, again, great acting from a, a puppet. Uh but it's incredibly affecting, and I just I love the whole thing about it, and I've definitely watched that, and it's brought a tear to my eye, and that's that's a tough thing for a Star Wars movie to do too. So I give them full kudos for that, and I'll say that's one of my favorites. I can't pick one favorite, sorry, Jason, it's just too hard. All right, Tony, I picked all the exact same things as John, so John and I are clearly the same person. Give me a couple minutes. Get your ship out to, to deal with that. Uh, you know, another scene that comes to mind is, as just always is kind of burned into my head, uh, is when they arrive on Cloud City and someone is there who arrives shortly before they have, and they <laughs> go into that fancy uh, Cloud City dining room, and Darth Vader is there. Just the way he looks. First of all, why is he in the? You know, he's in just, the, the kind just, of fancy what, dining what's room. What's the scene after that? I have prepared a banquet for you. <laughs> I think there's a robot chicken about that. Yes, there is. Would you like um, me to carve the and, turkey? And, and, and you know, and Han Solo immediately shoot, tries to shoot him, which is, you know, 
the best Han Solo can do in that situation. And, you know, he just kind of, I mean, we don't even know exactly what he's doing, but blocking the shots, catching them in his hand, and then just takes his gun from him. And just the visuals of that scene, just the way uh, Darth Vader looks standing in that room where everything else is white is, is just so kind of like uh, shocking and unsettling and well-staged. And, and of course, you know, the other scenes John mentioned were, were further up on my list of favorite scenes, but we've talked about mm. those. I wanted to... Uh... I wanted to mention, I mean, John mentioned the binary sunset, or was that you, Dan? There's no dialogue Dan, there, we sound similar, I know. It's spectacular, yeah, you guys <laughs> sound the same. You're, you're all the same. There's just me and one other person on this podcast. Uh, I really love the, I also love the trash compactor scene from uh, the yeah, original Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, just a delightful scene. Um, the scene where Han is about to be frozen, the famous I love you, I know scene, uh, gets me every time but i'm gonna go all the way back and pick the uh the creature cantina Ah. (laughs) i love that scene for so many reasons i love the band i love the music i love the guy who gets his arm cut off uh and his name ponda baba yes tony is very offended if you don't know his name uh but the thing I like the most about it is how, and we've talked about this before, how Han Solo pivots. He looks so uh, rough as a member of, the, you know, somebody who's hanging out with these people in this bar. And then there's that wonderful moment where he turns to Chewie after they leave and says, wow, those guys must really be desperate, which is really <laughs> great because you realize that he is talking a good game, but not necessarily, you know, he's got some issues of his own. And that's just, that's a fantastic thing. That's the moment where I, I, I completely and fully bought into star wars is that is that scene in the cantina so i gotta go with it i like in the again returning to the topic of star wars books that you probably don't need to read dan you read the (laughs) tales of the cantina oh yeah god yes there is a book that is short stories for every single person that you see in the cantina scene (laughs) is b arthur in that book (laughs) it's not from the baba coming from his uh racquetball match (laughs) oh there's a ponda baba has an elaborate backstory i can tell you about him and dr evans as let me tell us he's a righty or a lefty uh well he's only one now so yeah. <laughs> again a great Just, robots um, they, they made like that. three more of those there's like tales they, from the empire tales from jabba's palace tales of the bounty hunters like they're like ah oh, this anthology thing really oh, wow. really taking but it off is here. like each of those guys has i mean you can read about them on wikipedia each of them has a lengthy article about like what brought them to the cantina that day and mm-hmm. what their business in Mos Eisley is and what they're up to. And yeah, it's, it's kind of unnecessary. Yeah. Yep. So. <laughs> Ponda Bob is an O. Henry story where he, he was going there to meet someone who was going to give him a wristwatch as a gift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the gift of the Jedi. Yeah. That's where I was going. Yeah, Sean, like, it's your turn. Guess. What do you have for us? All right. The Star Wars question has been in my mind ever since we knew that there were going to be new Star Wars movies and that they were going to feature some of the original cast. And my question is, which original trilogy characters will die in The Force Awakens? See, here's the thing. It's like you metagame it and you're like, well, Harrison Ford's really always been down on like he really wants to kill Han Solo. (laughs) So like, yeah, he's really been he's been talking about that for like 30 years. Right. Because I think there were rumors he would die in Return of the Jedi. And so it's like, well, if I had to bet on one, it seems he'd be the most likely. Um, I, I think that he is the most likely one. I don't think they're likely to kill either Leia or Luke. I feel like of all the three of them, it seems like Luke might play the biggest role in the new Star Wars movie. It's going to be really sad when Han Solo dies in like the first five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it's out gonna of the be way. Like, it's like Emilio Estevez in the first Mission yeah. Impossible movie. I always remember oh, no, sitting there was thinking... The other one I was thinking of? Wasn't there a, a, a Steven Seagal movie with uh, taking over the president's plane or something? 
Oh, executive order? Yeah, and someone there's dies more really than one early movie about taking over the president's it, plane. It, it's always a good there's also a Harrison like, Ford movie about that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's always good when there is like a like uh, the Mission Impossible one always gets me because I remember watching that movie and like, oh, why wasn't this Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise and Emilio Estevez? Oh, he's dead. Okay, all right, moving on. <laughs> uh, so yeah, maybe Han Solo will just like we'll see that one scene of him flying the Millennium Falcon that we saw in the trailer, and that's it. And the Falcon <laughs> just explodes. He, he had to hurry up and get over to the Expendables <laughs> three set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys. So I, I will bet on Han Solo. If they kill Chewbacca, I will just be really, really sad, though. Because they already tried to kill him once in the they, books, I think and that didn't stick. Books, I hate that's, that. That doesn't <laughs> exist gone. anymore. doesn't exist we anymore. That's my favorite legends. thing about the new, the prequel, or the sequels so far. Prequel, sequels. You know, you can pick more than one. That's all you think is just the one, huh? I, I don't think I... In The Force Awakens, or, I think they might... Or you can pick zero. You can pick the... No, I'm saying, I think, I think they might string some of it out to episode eight and nine. Like, but I think we need the anchor to like introduce us to the new characters. So I think they might stick around for a little bit. If anybody dies, I think it'll be someone towards the end of that movie, or maybe they'll kill people in like episodes eight and nine. But if anybody, I think in Han Solo. All right, Tony, who gets the guillotine? All right, I think it's going to be Luke, um, and I think he's going to die toward the end of the of the the next coming upcoming movie because I think we're going to see like a parallel to Obi Wan mm-hmm. having to sacrifice himself, right? And I think that's going to be kind of there's going to be some kind of passing of the torch. From Luke too, and again, I haven't. I'm avoiding spoilers, but I'm assuming in the movie there are other Jedi's, and that you know they they are somehow connected to Luke. He's training them, or he has a new Jedi order, or they're seeking him out. And I feel like he's going to need to die in this movie as some kind of symbolic, maybe sacrificing himself or kind of passing on the uh, the knowledge or the, the the mission of the Jedi to who is then going to be kind of an more even more important characters in the remaining movies. Is my guess. So I'm putting all my money on Luke. Then I'll just be a ghost for the other two movies. Also, sorry, Mark Hamill. Yeah, you can be a ghost. So this is the thing. You still get residuals. Tony, I'm glad this isn't a draft because this is exactly what I was going to say is they're going to kill Luke. It's going to parallel Obi-Wan. And then Mark Hamill doesn't have to go anywhere because then he is going to be the force ghost who advises the rest of the Jedi through the other movies. It's a perfect And he can like he can do that performance over Skype, right? Like he doesn't pretty much. Yeah, there's there's just a filter you put down. Yeah. Ooh, use the force. What's your name again? It's a uh, great thing yeah. that Qui Gon taught Obi Wan how to do that trick. It, it, oh. <laughs> Off camera, sorry, too too soon. Off camera, Dan. <laughs> uh, and the other, I was going to joke and say, if somebody picked Luke, I was going to joke and say, oh, it'll be Chewbacca. But now that's just going to make Dan that's mad. Just, I'm, I will be, and we all know that Chewbacca is immortal anyway. So yeah. I think Luke, I think Luke paralleling Obi Wan is the most obvious choice. I agree. Harrison Ford talking about killing off Han Solo. That's there too. But yeah, I I, I think the one that to to read is the is the Luke as Obi Wan thing, and that he'll become a, a ghost. Turns out they go out by shooting each other. Yeah. You know, it could again if we want to go back to the Trade Federation route. Maybe uh, <laughs> why would Leia we? is assassinated, and then there's political upheaval, <laughs> and there's a lot of voting on who the new government will. Oh. Um, I'm assuming Leia runs the government in the future. There's so. just a really tragic incident where Han Solo and Luke Skywalker are both on the Millennium Falcon. And he accidentally leaves it running while they're it's still in the garage. Yeah, it's really, it's really sad. John, what is uh, what is your prediction? Well, well, it's it's decided because not surprisingly, I have the same picks as Dan and Tony and you, uh, Luke sacrifice force ghost yes yes check 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 especially the sacrifice angle because yeah. that's luke's whole personality is like his instinct is always to help he's like hey you guys are going to the death star i can go into death star oh, you know <laughs> he has to go to the bestman to help save his friends he's even trying to help his evil sith father sacrifice force ghost gotta do it and then he's han, always ready to lend a hand right yeah and and then han i mean he did die <laughs> in the original one. cut of jedi he <laughs> didn't he didn't you know he didn't make it out or wasn't that the, no, that's the, I. Th- I believe that's that was, an urban that was rumor. La- Lando. It was died Lando. Kind of Jedi, but yeah, yeah, that is also. Uh, it's yeah. an urban legend. 
Right, right. Anyway, Han Han really wanted to get rid of the character or whatever because he was sick of playing him. But I don't think that factors in. I think mostly that, that Han is up for death because he is such a strong presence that if you have him in all three movies, like how are you gonna how are you gonna have a Han Solo cameo? I don't I don't know if that works with this character. Plus, you know, he's he's really in love with Leia and whatever she's doing in this movie, he will definitely die to help her whatever her cause is. Uh, so yeah, I'm picking those two. All right. Not not no one picks Lando because poor sad Billy D. Williams doesn't get to be in this no, movie. No, he dies in the next one. <laughs> he appears and goes, Hey guys, did you miss me? Oh the first five minutes there's a series of noble sacrifices <laughs> with each of them and they're like, All right, let's let's get this going. Yeah. And and like and the other reason like this is this whole thing is like you you're picking these two we all kind of pick like we think that anybody's no one picked R2 and like, it's a trilogy, like wouldn't they stretch it out? I like yeah. the idea of them stretching it out, but on the other hand, I'm like, you gotta give this franchise over to the new characters, yes. whoever they are, and how can you gotta how can you give it over if you're gonna let these guys march through three separate movies, except for Force Ghost Luke. Yeah. I mean, I think in in the Star Wars, like in, in the Clone Wars and in the, the video games and whatnot, the worst thing they can ever do is when they have, you know, they're like, we're not going to make this game or TV show about the, the classic characters, but those classic characters are going to like show up all the time. And it's so forced and awful. It's like, hey, Lando here, just check it in. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I got paid to be here. <laughs> and like, there's no point to me being here. But that said, I'm his brief cameo you- on Star Wars Rebels was pretty great. <laughs> I felt I felt that was totally into the same thing. They'll have a whole two-hour movie, and the, the, the triumphant battle at the end, it'll look like they're about to be defeated, and then the Millennium Falcon flies out from uh, in front of the sun, shoots something, and saves the day, and that happens in three movies. And it turns out, it turns out that R2-D2 is piloting it the whole time. No, yeah, I got it for all, you. You're all clear, kid. I, I got it for you. Thing. At the end of the movie, after the credits roll, in a post credit sequence, we see Lando <laughs> appearing to various people and saying... This deal is getting worse all the time. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's good. I, 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 I'm now sad about Luke and Han potentially dying, but I think uh, maybe it makes sense. I also read the Lando Calrissian tie-in novels. They're not good. Oh, oh God. <laughs> those, are, those are maybe the worst. Maybe. Uh, May, well, even, it's hard to tell at that point, but yeah. <laughs> They're no, aren't they notable for having rules for Sabacc? Isn't that? Yeah, like they have rules for Sabacc, got- and the guy in it was like obsessed with the uh, Illuminatus trilogy. Because there are multiple <laughs> references. That's why Sabacc has uh, 23 is like the, the perfect number in Sabacc. It's really... That went it's, is, way is over my head lo- Is there a big Lobot trilogy where it's just all internal <laughs> monologue? <laughs> yep. There is a... Oh, I kid you not. There is a... There is probably a Lobot trilogy. <laughs> there is a Trix rabbit joke it's just not in the Lando yet. Calrissian books. There's a joke about the silly rabbit trying to steal like the tricks or something. It's incredibly weird. That guy was on like a ton of LSD, I think. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> All right. It's time for our bonus question on uh, on Clockwise. We like to do a bonus question, and I thought I would do one here. It is silly, but it is actually related to our topic. Uh, this is the question. If you could be a Sith Lord, what would your cool name be? Darth Blank. John? If I had a serious Darth name from in mind from like my childhood, I would actually reveal it here, but I don't because <laughs> I never aspired to sift them. I never played as a dark side in oh. Star Wars video games. I want to be the good guy, not the bad guy. So I do not have a serious Darth name. So I have to go with the jokey choice and just say Darth Complainus. <laughs> <laughs> the Emperor is so bossy. What does he even do? Spends all his day sitting in a chair beaming menacing holograms to people. Lightning in his fingers, whatever. Wow, that's a pretty good one. Um, I'm going with, I you know I also only have a ridiculous one, which is Darth Danthrax. <laughs> that sounds like the one you picked in your childhood. Yeah. That's my username on uh, Xbox Live. <laughs> I think that there's 
several actual darts in the extended universe that have dumber names than that <laughs> so, i mean or, darth or plagueis is pretty matter. bad they're always yeah. like darth malevolence and yeah. spooky town and <laughs> darth evil plagueis, you know silly things darth like that. jerk yeah. face yeah we, we went through our latin dictionary words were bad <laughs> which doesn't make sense because latin's not a language in this universe uh, well it's a long time ago tony oh uh i will take i also uh did not come up with anything good i don't take the, the sith very seriously uh i will go with darth sinister because that is the coolest sounding uh autocorrect version of my last name it sounds better than <laughs> is it spelled like the video game sinistar it can be whatever you want john <laughs> darth but sinistar i like that yeah it's better than the other autocorrect versions of my name which are like darth sidecar or sidecar <laughs> i thought you should have gone with the uh, dc universe cro- crossover and done darth sinestro <laughs> That would be okay. There might be legal issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always reminded, reminded of my friend who maintains that if she was a a, a a Sith Lord, she would be a Hufflepuff Sith Lord, and she would be Darth Helga the bureaucrat. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think they have those. Uh, I, I looked in the dictionary and tried to come up with something that sounded like something that George Lucas would actually name a, a Sith Lord, like you guys. So Did I, you come up with Darth Jason? So I shall be Darth Supercilious. <laughs> Which is a good word for what a Sith Lord might be acting as though he is superior to others, and it sounds a little like Sidious, and it's a stupid word because that's what all the Sith Lords are. <laughs> a stupid word. So I I will be Darth Supercilious from now on. In when I only wear when I wear the black cloak. I don't want to give it away. It's a secret. Right, guys? Right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Just yeah. to make sure to bring your hood pull, pull your hood up. <laughs> all the hood. way. Yeah. That yeah. works. Well, Dan, we did it. We we successfully held a counterclockwise podcast, perhaps for the last time. <laughs> perhaps. It is the first. Every time is the last time on counterclockwise. We don't, we don't promise there will be another, but perhaps there will be. John Syracuse, thank you for doing Silly Star Wars conversation with us here. Anytime. Tony Sindelar, thank you for being on counterclockwise for our inaugural episode. Sure thing. So until the next edition of the uh, Incomparable Game Show or the Counterclockwise Podcast, we remind you, pay no attention to what you say. And do not look at the clock. Don't, it's scary. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye.